We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Listen to every MLB game live. In the deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. Watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at-bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field. It's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at-bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Welcome to Overnight America with Ryan Recker. Sponsored by Michael's Flooring, the flooring experts. Michaelsflooringoutlet.com On the voice of St. Louis, KMOX. And welcome to Overnight America. A couple hours here tonight. Congrats to Yachty. A great accomplishment. Puts him into an elite class, and it's amazing. I'm very thankful he was able to reach that number with the Cardinals. During the offseason, there was that question, is he going to be in a Cardinal uniform? And I couldn't imagine seeing him wear any other jersey. So happy to see 2,000 games and moving himself up the list and he's going to continue to move up. He'll hit other milestones. He's really the legend. So congrats to him today. Um, 314-436-7900. If you want to call and reach the show here tonight, and we're going to talk to Stephen L. Miller. He's the creator and host of the Versus Media podcast on his latest piece talking about the perpetual pandemic. And I'm going to try to say that as fast as I can without screwing it up. And Megan Lynch's new feature, When Will It End? We have another edition of that. We're going to do that this hour. We'll do it a little bit later. And this is a date in American history. Quite an infamous date. You don't really associate it with today, but we're going to go over that too later in the hour. But I wanted to just talk about this miles and miles and miles long yard sale that'll be returning Memorial Day weekend. I saw this posted yesterday and I didn't get a chance to talk about it all that much, but it's a hundred mile yard sale. It stretches from Jackson to Kennett in Missouri. And I was looking at this and all the different towns that it hits. There's a, a, a wide variety of it. I don't know. Do people from St. Louis travel to make a special trip for this, or do they just kind of stay in their region? They kind of stay where they would normally look for garage sales. Last year seems like it was a, a lull for garage sales because most people didn't want to be out in front of other people, strangers. They were worried about the pandemic. They thought, oh, you know, I'm supposed to socially distance, so am I really going to want people to show up in my front yard? What will my neighbors think? Do I want to go out? Things like that. So more people are actually feeling more comfortable with this. Are you going to start going to garage sales this year? Or are you still afraid because of COVID? I'm just curious. 314-436-7900 or 800-925-1120. I love a good garage sale. I was looking at the write-up on this on Fox 2, and they said, remember to bring cash. Well, no kidding. I, I got to think. I don't know if I've ever, ever in my life thought about paying with a check at a garage sale because, you know, you, there's a trust factor there. You don't know that person. You don't want them to have your home address, for example. 
you, you'll have theirs, but they won't, you don't want them necessarily to have yours. And then will the person even want the check because they don't want to trust you? What if the thing bounces? Then they lose whatever item it is. So it's a cash only proposition. Credit cards are, are garage sales becoming so high tech that people have credit card readers that they use to swipe in order to do that? Are they looking at more digital methods? Some people have the way that you can transfer money through apps. Are they going to look at that for the future too? But they say, bring cash. Well, no kidding. Is it just because there's a younger generation of people going around to garage sales that they have to emphasize that? Uh, MoDOT urges the garage sailors, in in this case, they call them pickers, (laughs) to use caution on the road. They call them pickers? To me, a picker emphasizes someone that goes through your trash. Now, when you put stuff out in your front yard and in your driveway, you look at it as kind of like trash, right? This is the stuff you want to get rid of. And odds are, if you don't sell it, it's going to be donated or trashed. So you're just hoping that someone takes it away for you so you don't have to go through the trouble or the bother of doing so. Now, I've done that before. We've had garage sales at our house. And what ends up happening is we put everything out. We want to sell as much as we can. And then anything that's left over, I don't want it back in the house. Basically, I'm loading up the SUV and I'm just leaving it there until I make a trip to Goodwill or whatever it is to go drop it off and make a donation of it. I, um, I, you know, I'm just really curious, though. Are, are you going to be going out and hitting up the garage sales? I love them. And I will tell you that my number one find when I was garage sailing happened in Indiana. My wife and I would always go and she always likes to look at the baby clothes, baby toys, things like that. It's always easier to buy things secondhand because the kids grow out of them so quickly. And then she got part of mom's groups where they swap things here and there, which made it really awesome. But one time I found a box. It was in a old diaper box. So that's what happens when you have kids with diapers. You have a ton of these boxes laying around and you reuse them for other things. So on the outside, it's some kid wearing a diaper. On the inside, it's something that, you know, just kind of fits in that size of a box. And I open this thing up and there sits a Nintendo 64 with four controllers and about seven games. No price on it. My heart started to flutter. When I was growing up, I always wanted a Nintendo 64, but I never got one. I went from Super Nintendo to PlayStation, and I never looked back. It was a long time before I bought another Nintendo system. So when I saw that, I thought, oh, this has got to be expensive, right? So I asked the woman, hey, this box over here, uh, do you know, does it work? She says, I have no idea. This is my husband's. He's not here. I, I don't know. And I said, well, you see, it's, it's, I don't want to buy it and find out it doesn't work. How much do you want for it? And she said, I don't know, name of price. I said, $20. And she said, okay, that's fine. A Nintendo 64, four controllers in about seven games for $20. I brought it home. It, everything worked like a charm. To me, I felt like I made the ultimate find. It could have been the holy grail, or it could have been one of the, you ever hear the people that go to the garage sales and they have fine China out and they buy it for like 10 bucks and it's worth half a million. That's what it felt like to me. I felt like I picked up something worth a half a million dollars at a garage sale, or they, they buy a painting and they find out it's a Thomas Kincaid or something like that. Where did that come from? I don't know. Don't know where it came from. Don't care. Just happy that I found it. But for me, my nostalgia level was there. I don't think I would travel that far to go to garage sales. I do stop at them when I see them in the neighborhood, mostly just because, you know, they're my neighbors and I don't have to identify myself. 
hey, I live down the street. Here's my address. <laughs> you can check me out in the background check. It's just because it's easy and convenient. But I'm really looking forward to going to more garage sales. I love them. I love them. And you might be one of these people, too. You drive slow in the road and kind of check it out and say, all right, it looks like it's just closed. There's nothing else. Let's go. You look and, uh, okay, da, 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 da. okay, these are like ladies' clothes. No, I don't need that. See ya. You have to like do a quick little scan from the road. If you do, you're like the Terminator. Do you ever, you know, the scene in the Terminator where it shows it from the Terminator's point of view and there's all these like numbers and letters. It's almost looking like a computer program, you know, and there's little lines and things scanning through and you're looking around at the people that's identifying them. That's me from the road driving about three miles an hour past a garage sale. And if there's no one in that garage sale line and the people that are putting the garage sale on are looking back at you, they hate you. They're thinking to themselves, oh, not another drive buyer. I'm looking and saying, I don't want to waste my time trying to get out of here. I got kids, man. If I'm traveling with the kids, it's always a hassle. The car seats and the stroller and what I don't want to waste my time getting out if I don't have to. All right. Uh, when we come back, Megan Lynch's new feature, when will it end? I don't think she covers garage sales in COVID. No, she does not. I'm joking. I just, I just learned breaking news. No, she does not cover it. And also the concrete barriers in downtown St. Louis, are they going to stay or are they going to go? Are you concerned that it's sending the wrong message in St. Louis or do you like it for the safety factor? Well, there's a decision on that. We'll tell you about it after the break. In a little bit too, Stephen L. Miller's joining us. He's a creator and host of the Versus Media podcast. It's a big one. And he's got a piece out for the spectator called The Perpetual Pandemic. We'll talk to him about that too. It's Overnight America, KMOX. Overnight America with Ryan Recker is sponsored by Michael's Flooring, the flooring experts, michaelsflooringoutlet.com. On the voice of St. Louis, KMOX. And Overnight America is live here tonight up until midnight, then midnight to two of the replay hours. You can always catch them on there in the podcast. And if you want to find me on Facebook, Ryan Recker Radio. Very good. Have you seen the concrete barriers in downtown St. Louis? Have you been keeping an eye on those? It's a eyesore for many. We've done stories and I've seen other stories brought up about them. And it's one of those necessary evils. You hate that they have to be there, but at the same time, you realize that they are there for a purpose and they're actually uh, helping cut down on some of these street races until... You hop on social media and you see some of the overnight reporters for Fox 2, for example. You see the uh, rogue runner out. In, it's like a regular everyday occurrence where he could take a video and someone's doing a donut inside the middle of an intersection and then, you know, peels out. It's pretty bad. So we'll talk about that in just a moment. But now this week, Megan Lynch has put together a feature called When Will It End? And she has been doing an awesome job with this, looking at different aspects of the pandemic and the coronavirus, asking that question. And then I uh, said, hey, let's uh, let's do it at night. Can we play these at night? It's not just a total information AM thing. And she said, absolutely, let's do it. So uh, here's the latest edition, the Wednesday edition of Megan Lynch's feature. When will it end? Conquering COVID. Now, the latest on KMOX. I'm Megan Lynch. One of the enduring images of the pandemic shutdown is loved ones visiting family in nursing homes through windows. Now that more Americans are getting vaccinated, are nursing homes completely reopening and getting back to normal? KMOX's Carol Daniel tells us yes and no as we continue our series, When Will It End? 
I've seen some warm embraces that were really nice to see. One clear sign of the slow end of the pandemic is the sight of family members hugging and residents dining together. Carrie Lynn's executive director for Allegro Senior Living in Richmond Heights, says the move to a new normal will be incremental. Meantime, they're doing what they can to allow for more engagement between residents and with family, including a return to in-house visits. We got pretty creative. I, I mean, the other day we put an entertainer on our patio and socially distance all of our residents um, in the dining room. And reopening will be different for each nursing home, depending on how the pandemic impacted them. For Lens, And I have, happy to say, I have kept COVID out with everything that we've been doing and our protocols. But, you know, there are a lot of sleepless nights that I worried that Am I missing something? Is there something, you know, am I going to be hit like some of these other communities? And you just worry about that. Those results are rare indeed. Devin Eads is executive director of Cedarhurst Senior Living in Collinsville. She says COVID hit close to home. Um, We actually lost our former executive director to COVID in January. So, you know, as a community, uh, internally, we've experienced some, some internal, you know, personal trauma. And they lost four residents to COVID as well. Carlita Vassar is CEO and director of nursing for at-home care. Her company provides non-medical services for seniors and disabled adults in their homes in a 64-county region in Missouri. When will the pandemic end for her clients? I don't believe we'll really get back to where we were before. And kind of, to be honest, I don't think we want to. Um, It wasn't exactly the best environmental situation prior to COVID. Vassar says the pandemic has made one thing clear. The nation has to do a better job in the way it serves its seniors and access to health care has to improve. She says that advocacy work they do, including getting their clients the vaccine, will likely increase as COVID cases subside. The other sign of the move toward a new normal, Vassar says, is a move inward. Like I said, I hope that what we get out of it is how much we do need each other and how wonderful we can work together when we do. Devin Eads adds, For us, you know, the full light at the end of the tunnel will be, you know, the county numbers going down to zero, you know, watching the hospital cases slow down and and hopefully go away eventually. For now, her staff of 36 is still getting tested for COVID weekly, and all 48 residents have been vaccinated. Each person I spoke to thinks some things are here to stay. For EADS, that includes stepped-up infection control. And while still cautiously optimistic, she says the end of the pandemic does have a look and a sound that's breathing life back into her building. You know, seeing more residents out, enjoying the sunshine, getting out to the nice weather that we've been having, you know, enjoying each other's company again. And laughing in the lobby, uh, you know, music in the hallways, that type of thing. And, um, you know, for us, that's really what that looks like. And I have to say that for me, the light at the end of the pandemic tunnel means hugging and kissing my mother again for the first time in 10 months. (laughs) Carol Daniel, KMOX News. More than one third of U.S. coronavirus deaths occurred in nursing homes. Coming up in our next report, sports programs struggled to prove they could still play the game during the pandemic. Will high school and college sports get to play in front of fans this coming fall? 
All right. Megan Lynch with another edition of her series, and it's been great. We'll air the sports ones tomorrow, and I think that uh, you'll enjoy it just like this one. I thought that was a great one. we got a couple of minutes here before we go to our guests because we have your weather at 830. And then Stephen L. Miller's joining us, creator and host of the Versus Media podcast, his latest piece for The Spectator, talking about the perpetual pandemic. I need to say that as fast as possible. The pickle of the perpetual pandemic. Pickle... Piper people, what's the thing that people pickle perpetual pandemic? No, I don't think that joke is going to land. So, uh, maybe it's probably better that I work it out with you first before we have our guest on the line. There's a story at KMOX.com. Concrete barriers in downtown St. Louis staying put despite increased baseball traffic. Not bad. I have to admit that the amount of street racing is so rampant in St. Louis that these things are necessary. It's unfortunate that they're necessary, but they are necessary. You can't have police at every corner, let alone you can't have police anymore because it seems like they're spread so thin, let alone at night, um, trying to keep them out in areas where they'd be. And what would they be able to do anyway? We're in a part where a lot of the people that do these stupid things realize that the police only have a certain amount of authority that they would be able to uh, unleash. And then they just run from police because they feel like, hey, their best strategy is to do that. Just leave because they know the police, for the most part, uh, have a limited things that they can do just for the safety of the people around. And it's sad and it's stupid that we have to deal with this sort of thing. But what else are you going to do besides these barriers? Honestly, uh, are we just going to have spike strips all over the place to stop these cars? Or what, what are we going to do? You know, undercover police with spike strips. I would not feel bad if one of these cars just got completely blown out and uh, towed or whatever. But with the increase in traffic, I know that there's a lot of people that are coming to Cardinals games, even though it's not full capacity, even though it's not what you would normally expect during a home Cardinals game. And eventually we'll get there. It's just uh, it's the sad reality that we just have to face that and fifty dollars to park. Have you seen some of these? Places that are charging $50 to park for a Cardinals game. Ridiculous. Two things I guess you can't get around. One's probably a little bit easier to get around than the other. Or maybe they're about equally. Stephen L. Miller, uh, creator and host of the Versus Media podcast, joins us after the break. This is Overnight America KMOX. He is the creator and host of the Versus Media podcast, and he has a new piece out for The Spectator called The Perpetual Pandemic. Stephen L. Miller, welcome to Overnight America. Hi, how's it going, Mark? Good. Thanks for doing this. And I look at the way, for example, Project Veritas the last couple of days have been releasing videos from insiders at CNN talking about how they've taken advantage of the viewership and the people fear mongering and using it as a way to gain ratings in for the media in CNN, places like that. You can see how stretching this out works to their advantage. But I'm curious for you, politicians, pundits and experts don't want COVID to end is the subtitle for your article. I'm wondering, why do you believe that? Uh, I, I don't know if I'm being 100 percent honest. I don't have really <laughs> the answer to that. I mean, I, I definitely think you have a party and an Biden administration who obviously see a chance to completely restructure the country using, you know, piggybacking off the pandemic. This is, you know, right out of the Obama playbook. And so, of course, they have a motivation behind doing it. Um, somebody like uh, Anthony Fauci, you know, when he gives the interview, he just gave an interview for Business Insider where he, he was asked in a capacity, would, are you comfortable going to movie theaters? And he's like, no. And he's like, what about indoor dining? No, definitely not. And he said, travel? And he's like, no, I'm not doing that either. 
And he also stated earlier that he, he's comfortable never shaking hands again. And he doesn't differentiate between is he just kind of an, a, an OCD raging hypochondriac or is he speaking <laughs> as the top health official you know, deified by the media and the president. So you have somebody like that who's just giving this mixed message. Um, and then, of course, you have the mixed messaging coming from the CDC last week, which was fully vaccinated people um, shouldn't still fly. They shouldn't get on airplanes. And if you do, you still need to wear a bag over your head and five masks. And then they eventually had to walk that back because people started questioning that. And they said, "Okay, it is good to travel. So you have this public health messaging telling people to go out and get vaccinated, but you still need to stay home and you still need to not live your lives and you still need to not gather. And I don't know. And we see this with uh, New York and D.C. media as well. Joy Reid on Twitter saying, I'm not going to I'm still scared to go out and do things. And you have all these conflicting messages. And I don't know if it's on purpose with those people or if it's just simply because of where they live in New York and D.C., whereas places like Texas, Florida and several other communities are wide open and people are going about their lives while people like Fauci scratch his head and he doesn't understand why there aren't spikes happening while there are Mm. spikes happening in places like Michigan and New York, where he said, quoting Andrew Cuomo, New York got it right last March and April. So I think there's varying motivations, and I think we need to find out more about why that is on some of these. Yeah, I've always enjoyed the questioning of Dr. Fauci when Rand Paul is very much, we're just going to lay this out, how much of this is for show? You're out there saying that go ahead and get the vaccines and then still wear a mask for another year. I mean, they were advocating two masks at a certain uh, time, even when you're talking about those that have been fully vaccinated and you should have somewhat of a protection. I mean, that's the whole point of getting vaccinated. So he asked how much of this is for show. So how much of this is for you to try to encourage other people to do it, even though you don't need to, Um, you know, it's like as a parent, you might not want to eat your Brussels sprouts, but you know, you want your kids to eat your vegetables. So you have to do it anyway. Is there a little bit of that going on where they're trying to babysit the people, maybe giving a false impression or the wrong information because they feel like it'll lead them to the right thing? I think we should know these things. We should be pretty clear if that's the reason why they're doing it. Yeah. And I was I was one of the first kind of, you know, not not doing a humble brag. I was one of the first kind of national writers to call for Fauci to be fired or step down back in December, mainly because of everything you just said. You have someone who withheld information from the public and he admitted this simply because he said we didn't think you were ready to handle it and that's not his job if you go to a doctor and your doctor says to you you know uh he he sees on your charts that you could have cancer but then six months later he goes yeah you do but i didn't want to diagnose you back then because i didn't think you were ready to handle it you're Mm. not going to go back to that doctor and that's essentially what fauci has done And you have an administration who you have, you know, Joe Biden wandering around the Oval Office and swiveling around in his chair, meandering while wearing a mask. And he's fully vaccinated and everybody in our government is fully vaccinated. And so I get maybe the messaging is we want people to wear masks, but we're starting to turn that corner to where people aren't going to be wearing masks through the end of this year. You have the NFL stating they want full capacity stadiums in the fall. And so if, you know, you have an administration and Fauci still telling people to be wearing masks in December, I think you're going to find a general public is going to largely tune these guys out. And then it just becomes what do businesses do? What do grocery stores do? What do governors do? Do governors lift their mask mandates in liberal states? And so all of these things have to be yet decided. But 
the messaging on this is horrendous. And we were promised that the messaging would get better if we could just get rid of the guy who tweeted too much, you know. And, <laughs> you know, if messaging on this is confusing, it's, it's mainly because of the person in charge is often confused himself. Yeah. Have you seen some of the latest videos from Project Veritas that have came out over the last two days? Uh, I have. I mean, I'm just I'm, I'm one of these guys who my head is constantly dunked in an apple bucket full of media. Um, and, and, you know, it's a program director is who he is who he had on. He doesn't really have or I'm sorry, kind of like a line director doesn't have a lot to say in editorial decisions. But nothing he said on that, I think, should be shocking to anyone. Um, if you just simply turn on CNN, everything he says is kind of confirmed. Um, and, and so they don't they don't have a President Trump anymore. They don't kind of have an arch nemesis. They kind of have turned their attention to Fox and Tucker Carlson and this absurd narrative that somehow Fox hosts not posting vaccine selfies is what's causing vaccine hesitancy when we're seeing, you know, our, our CDC and our FDA are pausing a vaccine because one in every one and a half million people experience blood clots. And that's not being directed by science. And so, and we also have this AstraZeneca thing now in Europe where, you know, Africa's pausing, Europe has paused it, and they're getting rid of it. And there was just an article in the New York Times. I'm one of those weird conservative guys who reads liberal media a lot, um, where you have people in Africa are asking their government, how do we flush this vaccine out of our system? How do we get rid of it? And that's not because Fox hosts aren't taking selfies. That's because Mm -hmm. of bad messaging and bad uh, bad, confused science. And somebody just kind of needs to state that science isn't the end-all, be-all. Science is not a solution to things. It's a constant um, search for answers using, you know, periodical methods and data and mathematics and things like this. But it's not, you know, a religion, so to speak. And that's kind of how the left and people like Fauci treat these things. When we have legitimate questions about why are you halting a vaccine when you have literally a better chance of being struck by lightning than, you know, having a blood clot. And he just says, science. Well, that doesn't work mm-hmm. that way. And you're going to lose a lot of people and you're going to cause more vaccine hesitancy than um, any Fox News host not taking a selfie. Mm-hmm. Uh, Stephen L. Miller uh, joining us here versus media podcast. And we're talking about his latest piece in the spectator perpetual pandemic. And I was asking about the Project Veritas because I think it brings up a bigger question about preferred news sources. If you look at the news that is propagated on social media, there's always this sort of preferential treatment given to sources like CNN. If you're on Facebook or Twitter, you don't ever see them punished for anything that they post. However, if there's something contrary to what they're reporting, you see those news outlets in those uh, commentators or anyone else that's even putting opinion right. out punished or hidden. Or And now we're finding out, and this is part of the Project Veritas thing, if the mindset of CNN is we're just pushing this because, you know, if it bleeds, it leads and we're, we need the, the fear thing for ratings. It does show you that they do make certain news decisions based on those. And I think we should really question why are they uh, preferential? Why are they the ones that are the gold standard when it comes to social media news? Why are they the ones that get special treatment by these social media sites? And why, knowing what we know now, should they have preferential treatment? And I think that puts a little broader sense into what we're doing on social media now. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot there's a lot to that. Essentially, Social media, Twitter, Facebook started out as kind of a sandbox. It's, you know, five, ten years ago, it was a place where, you know, you or me or anybody out in your audience, we could just go on, we could create an account, 
Um, and you could, you know, not just like lob F-bombs at people, but, you know, you could talk back to these people. And if there's anything we've learned about people in media is they hate being talked back to. They, they are firm <laughs> believers in gatekeeping and we're the sources of information you are going to ingest. You are not going to produce. And what where Facebook and Twitter excelled is anybody could go and produce. Um, that, that's basically how, you know, I, I ended up with National Review and Fox and these things where I was just kind of a guy with a Twitter account in 2011. And now because of pressure and because of, I would argue, bullying and because of threats from gatekeeping media like NBC, CNN, CBS, ABC, New York Times, Washington Post, um, they've made it well known to places like Twitter and Facebook that they're, they think they're more valuable than, say, the average user's. Facebook's power comes from its user base, not ads, not political ads or anything like that. And so essentially this all just comes down to places like CNN and places like New York Times essentially trying to get rid of their competition. And the best way they can get rid of their competition is to essentially bring them into the fold. And we saw that happen with the New York Post story, the Hunter Biden story in the election, where a, a, a true story, a factual story, was essentially blocked off of Twitter because – Twitter said, no, 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 this is fake. This is Russia. This is misinformation. We're not going to let this spread. And right there, I think, was the turning point where Twitter became an ally of gatekeeping media and Facebook became an ally of gatekeeping media. And maybe on a long-term scale, I think that's the end of these platforms one way or the other, because we're seeing other platforms crop up. I have a podcast on Patreon, which is a completely independent media source. It's kind of you know, a liberal source, but that's just where I think the conversation needs to be. We, we see Substack now. We see Clubhouse. And so I, I think Twitter and Facebook kind of making a deal with the devil to essentially just become platforms for blue check journalists is, is going to end up very, very badly for them. Because in the end, there, there are more users on Facebook. There are more people on Twitter than there are journalists. And essentially, this, that's what's going to happen. This crowd is going to overwhelm Twitter's partnership with gatekeeping media. And I think it's going to be the worst decision they've made. Wow. So as a creator and someone that's popular on social media networks and things, have you seen different ebbs and flows when it comes to this gatekeeping? Have you witnessed it yourself through your own back end statistics? Um, oh, oh, definitely. Uh, I, I mean, I think people are very, very hungry for their own sources of media. And the biggest complaint you see in gatekeeping media, so to speak, is the, the spread of misinformation, conspiracy theories, misinformation. And one of the themes I constantly hammer on is they are one of the largest propagators of misinformation. Uh, they don't care about misinformation. All they care about is controlling it. And a lot of these things, a lot of conspiracy stuff, and a lot of people going into their own shells and their own echo chambers and their own groups, um, and I don't necessarily see anything wrong with that, but where gatekeeping media like the Washington Post and media critics at CNN, they absolutely fail to see their role in how this happened. It, it essentially happened because people don't trust them anymore. And if you can't trust the people whose jobs it is to relay accurate, unbiased information and not cover up you know, narratives that are unfavorable, we saw the shooting in Boulder, Colorado, which killed 10 people. That's out of the news because that shooter is not uh, useful to them. The Capitol attack from two weeks ago out of the news completely other than, you know, this officer lying in state. And so people decide if I can't trust you to get my information, I'm going to go to places that I want to go, period. And until I think gatekeeping media 
and structural corporate media has that reckoning, it's going to continue to get worse. And I don't believe they're going to have that reckoning anytime soon. Mm. By the way, if people wanted to find you or your podcast, your, your work, things like that, is there a good website or a place for them to look? Uh, I'm on Twitter at, at the, at the uh, handle at Redstees. And uh, my podcast link is in there. It's a subscription podcast. It's three whole dollars a month. Um, <laughs> it's cheaper than your daily <laughs> Starbucks. Um, and and uh, I do four podcasts a week. It keeps me busy. And then I also contribute for uh, Spectator, like you mentioned, which is mm -hmm. it's, it's a fun outlet. It has fun, unique points of view. It's not just kind of one heterodoxy angle. And uh, you can learn a lot from people there. Some of it's satire. Some of it's serious. And um, you can find me writing there as well. Are there any people that you really admire that are left leaning? Because this is what uh, you, you talked about. You are one of the few. And that's kind of true. I mean, uh, we, we like to go to those news agencies where we don't have to have our guard up 24 seven to try to read some yeah. of the things that are going on in the world. So you find that you spend less time on the ones that you have to keep your guard up. Are there any particular journalists or things that may be left leaning that you read and say they're at least giving it a fair shot? Yeah, I mean, you know, if if you would have told me five years ago as I was kind of embedded in, you know, as I was at National Review and I was kind of embedded in, you know, the Twitter orthodoxy of journalists and stuff like that, if you were to tell me five years ago that I would almost be agreeing with everything that Glenn Greenwald is writing today, <laughs> I wouldn't have believed me. I would have I would have beat me up. <laughs> you know? I would have like dunked I would have dunked my head in my own head in the toilet. Um, but it, and, and Glenn's doing such interesting stuff about, you know, here is someone who was revered and so held up by leftist media and everything. And because he kind of refuses to play ball with this kind of new woke heterodoxy that is completely infesting every single institution that we have right now, he's now kind of, you know, a pariah in that community. And I talked with Glenn and the funniest thing we talked about is, you know, he's kind of a far left kind of Bernie Sanders socialist guy. And I am very much not that. <laughs> and we just kind of laugh about how we just happen to have common enemies. And, and I just don't think the old battles of left versus right matter anymore. I think the battle is, again, what we saw with if Twitter can censor the New York Post and if YouTube can kick off a governor's health policy panel with epidemiologists and health experts from Harvard and Stanford and Ivy League schools, and YouTube can just remove that because they don't like it and, it and it disagrees with the CDC, I think that that's the problem. I think the consolidation of government plus corporate plus big tech is is kind of the big problem. And, I, and again, I don't think, you know, whether or not the capital gains tax should come or go, I don't think that that's the primary focus anymore. And I think more and more people are waking up to that as well. Wow. All right. One more time. If people wanted to look you up online, what's the best place to go? Uh, you, you can just get me a Twitter. I'm at Red Steez. Feel free to follow and say hi. I'm pretty uh, I'm pretty good at shouting back. And then again, I, I host the Versus Media podcast, uh, which is just on Patreon. And that link is on my Twitter bio as well. So you can Very just get good. me there and any of you guys can say hi to me. I'm, I'm pretty good at replying back. I, I don't I try to not have a big, you know, Twitter blue check ego. So feel free. To it's say exhausting. Hi being on social media i was looking at some of your <laughs> tweets you're on all the time man it's gotta just wear you down i i think i'm i think i'm conditioned to it and you know some people <laughs> have games on their you know some people have games on their phone and 
things like that. And I, I'm just, I'm kind of an addict of information. I'm also one of these people who I kind of grew up in the internet age of Reddit and forum boards and stuff like that. So it's just, it's one of these, it's one of these tools. And, yeah. uh, and, and I would even argue it's, it's a good weapon when you want it to be. Very good. Stephen L. Miller, make sure to look at his latest piece. That's uh, online now, The Perpetual Pandemic. It's part of The Spectator, but some of his other work, you can find link right there in his Twitter bio. Uh, Stephen, thank you so much for coming on to KMOX. Yeah, it was great. Uh, great having me on. In- enjoy my hometown Nolan Arenado guy there. Take care of him. Uh, oh, we're taking care of him. All right. Yeah, <laughs> we love him. I'm, I'm a mess guy now, which is uh, which doesn't make me feel as bad. So take care of that kid. We will. We'll, we'll take good care of him. We're so happy to uh, have him here in St. Louis. And thank you for saying I'll that. Bet you are. he joins us on the bomberito automotive group guest line great interview i really enjoyed Stephen l miller look him up on twitter and get some links to his podcast and some of his uh, work this is overnight america kmox overnight america with ryan recker is sponsored by michael's flooring the flooring experts michael's flooring outlet.com on the voice of st louis kmox What a great interview. I really enjoyed Stephen L. Miller. We're going to have to find a way to get him back on sometime in the future. He was just very pleasant to talk to. And I find a lot of times, uh, you know, he's right leaning. I'm right leaning for sure. But I, I like to talk to people who just really want to, you know, just common sense talk. We're just going to have a conversation without going crazy or whatever it is. And it's it's not uh, always easy to find people that have that sort of temperament to them. And I thought he was great. Really enjoyed him. All right, next hour, we're going to be switching gears and right at through the uh, news at 9 o'clock, a family addictions expert, Kevin Peterson, is going to join us. He has a new book called Chronic Hope. So if you have someone in your family that struggles with addiction and you don't know how to handle it, this is going to be an important interview. And it affects a lot of people. So he's up after the break. It's Overnight America, KMOX. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network, from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.